in any editorial job that I do today. It's not just saying what's on the page and how can I make it better. It's trying to figure out what's missing from that page because that's where the good stuff is. Like that's where the, the proverbial magic happens. You're listening to Someday List, a podcast by To Do. Every month we're sitting down with some of our favorite creatives, founders, and entrepreneurs to talk about what they're doing, how they got there, and what they want to tackle next. I'm your host, Evan Lian, and today I'm sitting down with Kinsey Grant, co-founder of Smooth Media. You might also recognize her voice as the former host of Business Casual, a show which she launched and scaled to a million downloads at Morning Brew. Now she's building a media company of her own to help other digital creators scale into their own sustainable businesses. We talk about working in media, being a first-time founder, and the opportunity that is the creator economy. Before we get started, if you're looking for an easy way to get organized, look no further. To-Do is a thoughtfully constrained, minimalist to-do list app that is as simple as paper. Because we believe that simple stays organized. To-Do helps you focus on the things you need to get done so you have more time for the things that matter. Start your 30-day free trial at to-do.com or download the free mobile app. On to the interview. Kinsey, welcome to Someday List. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your company, Smooth Media? Sure, I would be happy to. And thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to have this conversation. Um, I have to be totally honest. This is the first interview that I have done in my Smooth Media capacity. So I'm very excited to do this. Thank you for, for having me on to chat a little bit about it. So Hello, I'm Kinsey, Kinsey Grant. Um, I am originally from the South. I'm from Florida. Um, I always say the the Georgia part of Florida, not the beach part of Florida. I think that you know, gives people a little bit of extra context as to who I am and how I operate. But I have always been really into media in all of its many ways, shapes, and forms. I envisioned being a television news reporter from a very young age. That was always what I wanted to do. Uh, when I went to college, I pursued a career in broadcast media, did a bunch of stuff that was setting me up for that very career in broadcast television. Uh, and then when it came time to take one of my prerequisite classes for graduating, I had to choose between reporting on business and reporting on the economy. I chose reporting on business. And that was a, a really exciting switch for me. It was something I never really envisioned myself doing. And I'm super glad that I did it because now it's led me down a very interesting path. Um, that path started with a job as a uh, breaking news reporter working on Wall Street. I was covering basically just the stock market um, mm -hmm. from like all day long, 20 stories a day some days. It was pretty wild. But I got a little frustrated with that. Just the lack of creativity it wasn't super fun. I wasn't speaking to people who were like me or had any similar interest to myself. And so I decided to start looking for other jobs. Around then, I heard from Morning Brew, had been a longtime reader of Morning Brew and ended up joining the company as the fifth employee, our second writer at the brew and did the main newsletter for about a year and a half before mm -hmm. going full time at Morning Brew on the podcast that I started, Business Casual. Did that for about a year and a half as well and just really got into interviewing people. So it's fun to be interviewed sometimes. I'm still <laughs> new at it, um, yeah. but just really loved making new media. So after Morning Brew went through a, a major change, got bought. A bunch of us decided it was time to move on and start something new. Uh, around that time, I started Thinking is Cool, which was my first like independent podcast that I did on my own. But we also started, at the time, it was called Smooth Ops, Smooth Operations and Creator Services. We are now Smooth Media. We are a full-fledged media company. <laughs> um, but I started it with uh, Josh Kaplan, who is the Smooth Media CEO, who was also the first business hire at Morning Brew. 
and Jenny Rothenberg, who is effectively our COO um, and just our, our does everything kind of a, a person. She is incredible at Smooth Media as well. She was the head of growth at Morning Brew. And we all kind of started around the same time, all left around the same time and ended up working on Smooth. So what Smooth is, is a company that builds other media companies with creators. So effectively, a creator comes to us and says, I have this great audience. I'm really excited about the work that I'm doing, but I have no time. I really want to build something that gives me equity, and I want to be able to scale beyond just me. That's really mm -hmm. our specialty. We will help you build out an, a full-fledged media company operationally, editorially, business strategy, all of that good stuff kind of start to finish. But we, we hope there's no real end in sight for these media companies because our ambition is to build media companies with and for these creators that can be self-sustaining, that are going to scale beyond just them and are going to be a meaningful contribution to what can be a lot of noise from media companies these days. So that's what I, I do right now, work on Smooth. Um, I am, uh, I guess my technical title would be the like content lead or content head. I edit all of these newsletters and I develop uh -huh. our newsletter strategy and general content strategy for all of our creators. So that is a long-winded answer <laughs> who I am and where I've been for the last couple of years. Yeah, that uh, I am really excited to to dig into all of that. Um, first order of business, I do have to thank you and your co-founder, Josh Kaplan, personally, because a lot of uh, the podcast know-how uh, that I have accumulated and try to pass off as my own sometimes is just stuff I've learned from podcast OS and just watching how business casual grew and operated. Uh, when I was actually writing the email to to reach out to you, I was referencing email templates that you'd put in there. I was like, I can't, I can't send that. She'll nice. know. She'll see, see right through me. I um, appreciate it. And I'm glad it was helpful. That being said, uh, you mentioned your time at Morning Brew, and, and I just want to touch on that briefly because I, I think it does sort of inform what you are doing now at Smooth Media. I imagine, you know, there there's maybe some overlap between making a podcast and more, you know, traditional print journalism. But when you're given that broad mandate to just go and, and make this thing and you're in charge of making their first podcast what was the learning curve like and what was the learning process like? That's a, a really fantastic question. And I think this, you know, for, for all of the trouble and challenges that can come along with working at a startup, I think this is really um, the, the best advantage, in my opinion, was that I really had to learn on the job about how to create a, a major revenue generator for a, a business that was bootstrapped from day one. And so when, you know, you're a, a more traditional journalist, you have this hierarchy that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but you have an editor who tells you what stories to write. That editor edits your stories and then they go up and you really don't have um, any space for like the total blank page creativity. And so when I was approaching Morning Brew as a, a potential place to work, that was what really excited me, that I could be part of these new projects, that I could take on responsibility outside of just go write a story. So I was really excited to do it. But it was a massive challenge. And I think that mm -hmm. it taught me a, a big lesson in going about content creation, not seeing what's there, but seeing what's not there. And that's been a it, it remains a challenge, I think, in in any editorial job that I do today. It's not just saying what's on the page and how can I make it better? It's trying to figure out what's missing from that page. And that's was that was honestly the strategy that we took when we were trying to build business casual. Um, and, and really, it was me and Josh, they sat us down and they said, go build a podcast and let us know when you're done. Um, and so we had a lot of <laughs> definitely a lot of, of leeway to figure out what we wanted to do. But what we really had to do first was to figure out what wasn't there. And that led us toward the path of uh, an interview based show that 
was fun and, and was like fresh and young and, and didn't feel stale and like stodgy. And you would interview cool people and talk about cool things and it would all be really relevant to the conversations that you were having with the people in your lives. And what we realized was that that wasn't there. And so I think that that was probably the biggest lesson that I've taken into the work that I do today is just like, look for what isn't there just as much as you're looking at what's already on the page, because that's where the good stuff is. Like that's where the, the proverbial magic happens. And so that was definitely the biggest learning. But I think, you know, in all honesty, it really did teach me in addition to that, just that every new media project that you take on, like every new publication, every new show, every new idea, every new series really has to operate like a business from day one. You know, a business wouldn't go to market if they didn't know that they could find product market fit. And content should be the same way. Content shouldn't go to market if you aren't confident that you can find your way to content market fit. And mm -hmm. that has, has really helped guide the projects that we decide to pitch and, of course, that we decide to green light with Smooth Media as well. Was it at all a daunting proposition or, or were you more excited than intimidated by the opportunity? It was a, definitely a little bit of both. It was exciting and intimidating. Um, and in all honesty, part of the reason that I was not scared out of doing it was because we didn't think I was going to host it at the beginning. Um, I, in my mm -hmm. first job, had done a lot of multimedia. Like I mentioned, I had a background in broadcast in um, school. And so that's why they brought me in on the conversation about the first multimedia project at Morning Brew. Um, being a, an audio project. I'd never done a podcast, but I'd done a lot of video. I knew how to write scripts, things like that. And so they said, we just want your expertise. And then as mm. we started developing concepts for a show, we tried all sorts of different things that just didn't really seem to fit. We were like, okay, well, maybe we start with our niche newsletters, our, our industry-specific newsletters um, that honestly, Josh and I had, had built those and you know, a good deal of those as well. He was the business strategy. I did, edited all of them. So we were like, well, why don't we just start with those? It's a smaller audience. It can be more specific. And we realized that we were leaving a ton on the table by kind of like hamstringing ourselves in all honesty from from the jump. And so we were like, mm -hmm. all right, well, do we do just like a show for every morning brew reader? And that's and what we ended up building. I had had a lot of experience interviewing people. I really like doing it. I really enjoy interviewing in front of a microphone or a camera. And so that was the the next logical step would be that I hosted it. But I think part of the reason I wasn't that scared is because <laughs> like, oh, this was just something I was consulting on, you know, it wasn't going to be. Uh -huh. A, a career path for me. And when it turned into that, it, the pressure was definitely kicked up a couple of notches, but in a good way. I was a big fan of uh, uh, business casual and, and, and listener of it until the pandemic wiped out my commute. And I, I don't listen to a whole lot of stuff anymore. But, yeah, you, and me um, both. you have uh, interviewed people like uh, Chamath Palahapatiya, Mary Barra, the Winklevosses, and Mark Cuban. Uh, of all the business casual interviews you have done, uh, do you have a favorite interview or or uh, or a piece of advice that you've gotten from it? I would say that the the little nugget and I remember putting it on a podcast cover art the, the one that I come back to the most in my day-to-day -day at work now is perfection is the enemy of progress which was uh, a conversation that I had with Mark Cuban that was kind of the theme um, and mm -hmm. I feel like it's a it's a little dorky to like quote Mark Cuban <laughs> from my own podcast in another podcast but that has certainly been a lesson that has stuck with me. But the interviews that were the most fun were, in all honesty, the ones that I did in person, which unfortunately was not the bulk of them. The show started mm -hmm. in September of 2019. So we only had about six months or so before 
uh, everything went remote and we also doubled our output while we were remote. Mm -hmm. So obviously uh, the lion's share were done remotely. And some of those were really interesting and touching and insightful, but I just really prefer, you know, sitting down across the table from someone. I would say like the, the Instagram types were probably my favorite to interview. You know, I remember uh-huh. interviewing a TikToker like right before TikTok kind of blew up and being like, I don't understand this app. Can you explain it to me? And now I look back and like, oh my, that's so embarrassing. But uh, I think those were probably the most fun to do. But the the ones I learned the most from were certainly the like titans of business. So when it does come time that you've decided to move on from Morning Brew and, and, and Business Casual, how did it feel to be leaving this thing that you had built from the ground up into a huge success and that is so intrinsically tied to you and your voice and, and who you are? It was incredibly bittersweet. Um, mm-hmm. And the the sweet part was that I was so excited about what I was doing. Um, I got a really good piece of advice from a mentor of mine when I was trying to decide if I was ready to move on from Morning Brew. And he said, you have to be excited and not scared. You know, you can't make a decision out of fear. You have to make a decision out of excitement. Are you afraid that if you stay at Morning Brew that you'll get bored or you won't be appreciated? You know, it, it couldn't be a decision like that. It had to be a decision that you were just so drawn to the opportunity in front of you that you couldn't say no to it. And that was truly how I felt. So in in that way, it was really exciting. And, um, you know, to, again, go back to building a podcast was so much fun. And to do it with Josh again was an incredible experience. And I'm really glad that I did it. Um, And we can get to like thinking is cool, whatever it it turned into. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the bitter part of it, too, though, was that I had really poured my blood, sweat, and tears into business casual and probably to a fault. You know, I, I work too hard on it. I, I have a better work-life balance now. I can draw boundaries <laughs> a little bit better now. But when it was starting out, there was a lot of pressure knowing that Morning Brew was this company with a ton of potential, a lot of opportunity in front of it, and that I was going to become effectively the face of this big arm of the company was so much pressure. And so I, I really tied a lot of my self-worth, in all honesty, to how well the show was doing. And it did great. So I felt great. Mm-hmm. And then when I decided <laughs> to leave, all of a sudden there was this like vacuum. Like I, I had nothing to base my whole personality off of. And so in that way, it was a real adjustment personally and honestly, just emotionally and mentally to figure out who I was outside of being a podcast host. And that was, a, you know, it's a journey that I think I'm still on. But in that way, it was really tough. And to see mm-hmm. somebody else step in. And then to see that host get replaced and then to see that like that the, there were the, the struggles of trying to figure out what to do next with like my baby. It hurt. Mm-hmm. It was tough. It was it was a really difficult time. But that said, what I was doing was still so gratifying and exciting. Um, and I really like got into it right away. So I didn't have a whole lot of time to sit back and think about how sad it was. It was more like a <laughs> better hop too. Um, so yeah, bittersweet. Yeah. Definitely. I was listening to another interview at Dunn, uh, and you referred to yourself as a reluctant content creator. Something you talk about, though, is this idea that journalists are brands in and of themselves. And you kind of touched on it at the beginning, how content creators should really start thinking of themselves as media companies. Um, how has being a content creator, doing this sort of work, changed how you do and view your work and maybe view the trajectory of your career? Yeah, definitely an an interesting development, I would say, over the last year is this idea that, um, you know, to build a community, which I would say that any content that people are creating, it has to be centered around this idea of building a community. And I know community is like an overused word and it, it loses its meaning at a certain point, but 
I really do believe that that is at the core of every successful media business, whether you are a famous TikToker or whether you are, you know, on CNBC, right? You want to have a community of people who rally around what you say and how you say it. That, you know, requires somebody to be the face of that community. It requires somebody who's willing to be the person who gets in front of their front facing camera and makes a video and talks to people. And um, that to me has been incredibly difficult. When I was at Morning Brew, there was kind of the the cover of having another brand and there were a bunch of people who were making all, I had a social media manager, you know, I had all of these people who were doing things for me. So I didn't really have to think about like managing my personal brand. And then when I went independent, which is a trend that a ton of content creators and media personalities are doing because there is so much more opportunity as an independent creator today than there ever has been as a creator who is, is working for a traditional media business, I would, I would argue, you realize that you have to do all of that yourself. And that has been the biggest challenge for me. And in a lot of ways, that's why Thinking is Cool has kind of taken the backseat for me personally. I have loved making podcasts. I have loved doing interviews. Like I've, I've said ad nauseum on this show already, but I am not really good at the going viral part of it. The mm-hmm. TikToks that you have to make to build that community, doing a bunch of like Instagram carousels every single week and like making quote cards on Canva, that just doesn't interest me. What I would rather do is is do the content strategy. I would rather figure out where can this go next? I would rather have the bigger picture conversations. And I was never a, a very strong operator. But that is why Smooth Media was born. When I started thinking of school, I, I knew that about myself. I, I maybe underestimated how much I would be willing to budge. But we started Smooth Media so that there could be people to help creators do that. Because a lot of creators feel that same way, too. You have something to say. You have this great idea. But to get it in front of the right people, you have to be like an Instagrammer. You got to be like a social media person. And that can be really draining. It can make the creative process for the actual content that you want to make a lot more um, difficult. And so that that's typically what I mean when I say a reluctant content creator. It's, it's not something that has ever really come super naturally to me. I can write, I can talk, I can talk to a brick wall, but um, I just like got really frustrated with the fact that I couldn't go viral, right? Like I can help mm-hmm. other people go viral. I know how to make it happen, but I couldn't make it happen for myself. And that was frustrating. So that's kind of you know why I've, I've pivoted a little bit more to let thinking is cool kind of simmer on the back burner right now and focus more on doing what I am naturally inclined to do, which is to help people stare at that blank piece of paper and figure out what to write down. I think this is a great point to pivot into talking about smooth media. But before we do, I want to maybe start with a basic definition and look at the scope of the opportunity that is the quote unquote creator economy. Um, According to Linktree, there are 200 million creators globally. Another site estimates the size of the creator economy at $104.2 billion. I would love to know how you think of the creator economy and what kind of creators is Smooth Media looking to partner with? So you're catching me at an interesting time because I have been really fixated on this idea of how to draw boundaries around the creator economy. And part of this is because we work with Colin and Samir, who are YouTubers who cover the creator. They're creators who cover the creator economy. Um, And they have a newsletter called The Published Press. I am the very proud editor of The Published Press, but I've been trying to figure out how we draw boundaries around what we cover. Um, And Mm -hmm. it's incredibly difficult because to me, everything touches the creator economy and the creator economy touches everything else. And there's this really interesting mental picture that I have in my head where I see the energy sector, right? Or the retail sector, or I don't know, SaaS, right? These specific sectors that exist within our broader grand world global economy, right? Mm -hmm. They 
are so often tied to what they do specifically in that sector to make money. You know, an energy company is really only going to make money doing energy, right? They're not going to make money going viral on TikTok. Same thing for retail. The, your end goal is to sell clothes, sell food, sell whatever. But when you think about a creator, creators have hands in in everything, right? Like you can have a merch line, you can have real life meetups, you can make money from AdSense on YouTube. There really aren't any boundaries to what the the creator sector is. And I think that has, it's difficult, certainly when you're trying to figure out what is the, the coverage area for a creator newsletter. But I think there's also a ton of opportunity in that, that creators really can operate in any of these spaces, covering any of these spaces, talking about really anything without bounds. And that's super interesting to me and I think is is a big reason why I feel so closely tied to the creator economy and why I, I want to keep working in it and keep doing what I do. Um, just because like, it sounds so corny, but the opportunity really is boundless. And when we think about at, at Smooth, what we look for in creators, knowing that that definition is everyone, what we look for specifically are creators who are focused on a niche. We have tried here and there to have conversations with general interest creators, thinking is cool and, and myself being one of them. And it just doesn't work as well as working with a niche creator who can rally a community around a specific idea, a specific feeling, a specific topic. Those are the people who we like to work with the most because when you know kind of the direction that you're going to be headed in, when you know how to talk to people who all have some sort of something in common, you are set up a lot more effectively and I, I would say more beneficially to then capitalize on that, to give those people what they want and to make money doing it and to really build something that can be lasting, that's not just like a flash in the pan, right? And I think an apt personal story is I randomly had a TikTok go like mega viral, like millions of views, and it had absolutely nothing to do with my day job. It had absolutely nothing. It was like pretending to bite a carrot, you know, like it was like a totally <laughs> random, like throwaway TikTok that I just did for fun, kind of like the old Twitter, right? Twitter in the old days, you just kind of like tweeted whatever. And sometimes it would hit. Mm -hmm. I, I put out that TikTok. It did crazy numbers. And then nothing, right? Like nothing happened mm -hmm. because there was no point. I didn't get a brand deal. My mom literally emailed like a carrot company and was like, let my daughter be your <laughs> spokesperson. And nothing came of it because there was nothing to rally around. It was just a funny idea. And I uh -huh. think that that is a, an apt metaphor for the creator space right now. You know, you can have a great idea once, but if you can create something that people can keep coming back to, that's what I'm interested in. So you're saying you could have almost been the corn kid? I was almost the corn kid. Oh, if only I were cuter and smaller and, you know, talked about corn. This interview is brought to you by To-Do. You're juggling a lot and you don't know where to start. We've all been there. And that's why we made To-Do with the core belief that less is more. To-Do is the minimalist to-do list app to ease your cognitive burdens. We are the most refreshing task manager in a sea of monster energy drinks. No pings, no feeds, no comments, just you and the things you need to get done in a simple, intuitive interface. Use code SOMEDAYLIST for 20% off when you subscribe at teuxdeux.com. Back to the interview. I think that is really fascinating, especially with, uh, I mean, I feel like TikTok has, has driven such a, a, a change in behavior and disrupted, you know, the, the influencer creator space as it is. So you mentioned you uh, edit the published press for Cullen and Samir, and, and you talked about some of the things as an independent creator that maybe you didn't love as much. What kind of infrastructure does Smooth Media help creators with? 
So we really try to take a um, like a tailored approach to every creator with whom we work, knowing that they all have different goals and what their end game is looks different from creator to creator. But I'll give an example with uh, the published press. We kind of started working with Colin and Samir and sort of like a consulting kind of ad hoc basis on their YouTube and like figuring out what uh, this newsletter that they had could become. And then once we realized that this newsletter was really what people wanted three times a week, twice a week, it's like news, three stories, and then a bunch of links about what's going on in the creator economy. Sundays, it's a longer piece kind of digging deep. It's it's the, the Sunday issue, right? It's digging deep into some larger topic within the creator space. We realized that that had a ton of opportunity. Um, and so with them, we focused most of our relationship on making sure that that newsletter is as great as it can be, making sure it reaches all of the right people. Um, so we just, that's like our, our primary goal right now. And building Publish, the media company, into something that can grow beyond just this newsletter. So while right now that's our focus, we are very realistic about the fact that hopefully if we sat down and had this conversation a year from now, we would have a bunch of different things to talk about that are all part of Publish Media. Um, and so within making the newsletter really great as that jumping off point, we kind of handle a lot. You know, we, we manage the writer who writes the newsletter. I edit the newsletter. We take care of a lot of the like brand partnerships and placements within the newsletter. We do everything operationally to make sure it gets sent. Um, all of that. Colin and Samir, as the creators who we first approach and who first approached us to, to start that relationship, they have that kind of like bird's eye view of what's going on. They get to tell us, here's where we want to take this company. Here's what we want it to look like. How do we get there? And that's where we come in and, and make it happen. We've talked a lot about the creator side of it, but I would love to know what is the value prop that you're pitching to uh, to potential ad partners? I feel like it might be easy for like a, a Nike or some, you know, bigger companies to, mm -hmm. to spend budget on, on this space. But if there are people that are looking at the creator space and, and how to engage with it in 2023, how would you encourage them to, to, to begin thinking about it? I would say start niche um, mm -hmm. and start with our, our roster of clients at Smooth Media. You know, the, <laughs> the value in having a niche community is that you're not just casting a wide net and hoping that something sticks because not only is that ineffective, it's really expensive. And it's mm -hmm. usually just the, the Nike types that can do that. And sometimes it works. Most of the time it doesn't. In an economic scenario that we're in right now, I'm going to bet on the, the more efficient and the less expensive way of going about meeting customers and finding customers. And that is focusing on a niche. Um, so an example from a, a recent integration that we did, we uh, just started a new newsletter called Workdays, W-O-R-K-D-A-Z-E, um, with Rod Phil. He is just me, Rod, on TikTok. You've probably seen mm -hmm. him. He wears the beanie. Love he talks him. about yeah. like millennial humor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's great. Um, and we started this, this newsletter with Rod that focuses primarily on improving your relationship with work. So work culture, mental health, all of that good stuff. And we actually launched with Peloton Corporate Wellness as our sponsor and had a great run with them because they knew that the people who were reading Rod's content were specifically interested in improving their relationship with work. Mm -hmm. Peloton Corporate Wellness is based entirely on, you know, selling Peloton memberships and Peloton gear to businesses as a benefit for their employees. Mm -hmm. And so the, the synergy there just like, made so much sense, right? That these were people who wanted to know about making work better. Peloton's entire goal is to make work better. And we could we could match that up and we could make it happen um, in a really, I think, like fun and creative way that was true to Rod's brand, but also was getting Peloton what it wanted out of that relationship. And 
probably not surprisingly, they had a really successful campaign with us. And, and I think that is a perfect example of why niche media works, even in an economic situation like the one that we're in right now. People aren't going to unfollow Rod because their 401k is smaller than they thought it would be, right? Like the S&P yeah. 500 might be down for the year, but we're still going to follow the creators and like that's not going anywhere. And so I think investing in those relationships now puts brands in a really positive position once we do get to the other side, which we always do, that they will still have a relationship with the right people um, and that the the payoff will, will happen at some point, if not immediately, down the line. Big fan of Rod. Love all of his TikToks. One thing that I've always been super impressed with is while you were getting Smooth Media up and running, you were also sort of serving as this proof of concept and, and acting as an independent creator with Thinking is Cool. Uh, where did you find the time? Like, how did you organize your time to do all that? Uh, how do you like to stay organized and, and what tools do you use to do it? So definitely, um, if if my mom were here, she would say that I am not organized and I never have been. <laughs> I think I've gotten better in my old age, but um, just, you know, I, I think it's it's also important to kind of like cushion my answer to this around like productivity and organization on the fact that I have a really fantastic team who were very understanding of my needs in terms of time for thinking is cool. So mm. I've always been a co-founder of Smooth Media. It started right around when thinking is cool started because we saw this need for it. But I did not start working full time on Smooth until about a year into its existence. So we've been around for about a year and a half. I've really only been full time, maybe full time plus a little um, mm. for the last like six or seven months. So while I was really focused on thinking is cool, while I was doing weekly episodes, while I was doing these like really in-depth seasons, I really only spent about 10 percent of my time on Smooth. Um, and I was really lucky to have co-founders and also just a team who were willing to accept that that was what I could bring to the table at the time. It was going to change eventually. That was kind of always the plan. When we got to about, actually, it was the middle of the summer, I remember, because Josh and I went to an event. We went to like a creator event and we were walking back to my apartment thinking like, there's a real opportunity here. Like, I, mean, I, I know what I'm doing when it comes to building newsletters. Why am I not like, why am I not doing this? Why am I not building a podcast for these people? And so that was kind of the, the wake up call that it was time to consider spending more time on smooth. Um, and as luck would have it, I was really burned out on making podcasts and I had just like kind of run myself into the ground and creatively the I, I was spent I had no gas left in the tank and so I got to be like I was lucky and, and very privileged that I could step back and say I want to spend more time on this instead of being like forced or anything like that so I would say the the shift happened in like summer of 2022 that I went from 90% thinking is cool 10% smooth media to like 105% smooth media now thinking is cool is it's dormant, I would say, for now. Maybe I'll come mm. back to it at a later date. But with that in mind, in terms of, of productivity, um, I am probably a, a one of the last proponents of the Notes app as a, a to-do <laughs> list. I um, have have tried to switch over to Notion permanently, and um, you know, I I'm a rudimentary user, I would say. Um, but mm. I am very old school. Like I will use the Notes app on my phone. I'll write a to-do list um, every day. And then I will just rely on my trusty Slack reminders to keep me in line and make sure that I am where I need to be at the right time uh, and prepared for what I need to be prepared for. Uh, but the the one thing that, you know, when it comes to like working in a creative space, um, I would say it's 
not impossible, but it's pretty difficult to show up to a meeting like empty handed, you know, like my job is to come up with ideas for people. And so that I take very seriously and I don't want to just show up and like, I don't know if I can curse, but like bullshit my way through a meeting and this, this creator is I'm on their team to help them come up with ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I am a big proponent of waking up early because that's when I am most creative. Most of my team is on the West Coast. So the hours of like 6 a.m. to, I don't know, like 11 a.m. are pretty quiet for me. So that's when I look at my calendar for the day, figure out what I need to come up with ideas for and do it then. Um, and just like Know, steering into the times when I feel the most creative has really been like the biggest productivity hack for me. So instead of trying to come up with ideas when it's like 7 p.m. and I'm exhausted and I've been staring at a computer screen all day, like I'm not going to be at my best then. Um, mm-hmm. So I steer into when I do feel my best. And other than that, kind of fly by the seat of my pants. And <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> it, yeah. It's worked out OK for me so far. But yeah, it's, it's also just in having a great team of people who I can trust to get things done. I think that's like the biggest productivity hack, which I know is not very helpful. But <laughs> I think that's pretty helpful. The ability to let go of control a little bit, I think, is, is definitely uh, something I could work on, at least. Um, when you have accomplished as much as you have, uh, as early as you have in your career, what do the other goals on your Sunday list look like? What would you like to accomplish with Smooth Media or just as, as Kinsey Grant? For, for me personally, as Kinsey Grant, um, my ultimate goal is to write a book. For a long time, thought I would write a book before I was 30. I don't think that's going to happen. That's okay. <laughs> I'll get to it eventually. But I, I love writing and I, I have really been lucky in um, working with my team that they are supportive of the fact that like at my core and in my heart, I want to write. I want to I want to be a journalist. Like I want to go out and talk to people and understand the world around me and synthesize that world for other people. That's kind of like my my nature is to do that. And so that is the ultimate goal for me personally is to to write the book that I have had like a outline for for years <laughs> to to finally get it done. That will be a, a Sunday thing because right now the opportunity is is so enormous with smooth that that's just what I am excited to focus on and and quite frankly what I have to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the next year, I would say it's just growing the company, um, hiring more people, bringing on more clients and being really specific in those decisions and um, like being as, as strategic as we can, knowing that uh, we are at a very unique moment in the economy, in the creator world, in like the tech world. And I really want to seize that. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think that's you know kind of broad, but it's just doing good work, building these media companies, scaling beyond these like entry point projects that we've created for these creators and doing it with people who are really, really great at their jobs. I think hiring is a a huge part of our plan for the coming um, months and years. We just need some more people and um, specifically people who are like some of our our early hires right now. Our first employee, Allie, uh, is just the definition of like the corporate rocks, you know, they say the rock star, Mm -hmm. but like she is the rock star, you know, she, she keeps everybody excited and happy to be at work, but she also has this uncanny ability to read people's minds. Like she, she knows what you're going to ask her for before you ask her for it. Then that's incredible. Mm -hmm. So finding more people like that, more people who are super excited about the creator economy and helping creators grow. That's uh, definitely in our plan for the next couple of months and years, but um, yeah, that's the the rest is unwritten, you know, like who knows? <laughs> I saw a TikTok today that was um, asking if people are in their plan A careers or their plan B careers. Oh, um, wow. And I really got to thinking about it. Like what would be 
my this I never envisioned that I would be able to to be here like to uh-huh. be a, a founder is so cool and um, to work with people who I really like is like not everybody is this lucky and I'm well aware of that privilege so I was thinking like what would be my plan b career and it would be a total pivot like <laughs> nowhere near what I'm doing <laughs> yeah. um may I ask what your plan b <laughs> career would be cheesemonger cheese oh. believe it or not I have okay. this dream of like, and maybe maybe I should just add this to my personal like bucket list, but I have this dream of when I'm older and like totally tired of working the way that I work now that I will move to a small town and open like a fancy cheese store and go to cheese school and like know every, I love it. Like I, I really do love it and I love <laughs> trying new cheeses, but I want to like have a slow life. You know, I want yeah. to open the shop at 11 and close it at seven and like make comfortable, a comfortable living, but not too much money. Like that is my ideal. So yeah. if smooth ever goes under, which I really <laughs> don't think it will, you can find me in your local cheese store. <laughs> in full support of that. Not that, you know, you. if it ever gets to that point. Uh, I was wondering as a first time founder, are there any aspects of it that you find particularly challenging or any parts of it that you are really lo- like, jamming on that you maybe was unexpected i think that the the most unexpected experience for me has been actually like being able to create boundaries more effectively in this position as compared to being like an early employee at a startup Mm -hmm. um i feel very strongly that my like work-life balance is in a much better place now than it ever has been uh, which I know is not the experience of a lot of of people who work in media at all, but definitely um, founders in like my peer group. Um, I think it's because I have the ability to like lead by example. And I feel really strongly about that being a positive example for the people we bring on to our team. Um, like, I don't want people working on the weekends. You know, like, I don't, uh-huh. I, I don't want people having to work past 6 p.m. if they started working at 8 a.m. Like, that's ridiculous. You know, like, Go live your life. If a third of your life is spent doing work, I don't Mm -hmm. want it to suck. And I don't want it to be more than it has to be. And so I think the best part for me has been that I can show and I can tell, right? Like I can Mm -hmm. tell people what to do, but I can also do it myself. And that has has been really gratifying. And and certainly there are the late nights and there's the hard work and there's the waking up really early and there's the stress. And, you know, there have been plenty of ways that stress has manifested in my life, like mentally and physically. But I think getting a grip on that and realizing that I'm here by choice and I am so privileged to be able to make that choice has really been the wake up call for me over the last couple of months. Like my life is so easy compared to so many people my age or like even just in America right? mm-hmm. <laughs> like, or, or all over the world. I, I am so lucky that I get to wake up and do this every day and choose to do this every day. Like I get to make a choice to make that a positive experience. And I don't want to waste that. I don't want to like squander that opportunity. So that's been the best part. My last question for you, uh, I know you said thinking is cool, uh, is, you know, dormant for the time being, uh, but the mission of that podcast was to dive deep into topics and make the listeners next conversation better than their last. Um, I was curious to know, are there any topics or headlines right now that are particularly fascinating to you that you would love to, maybe not in the near future, love to dig into? Oh my gosh, yes. I have I mean I keep a running list. Like mm-hmm. really it is my dream to to revisit it someday when I just like have more time and more mental capacity for it. Um but here's a little secret. Before I kind of like I didn't shudder thinking it's cool. But before I like took a step back from it, 
I was working on a third season about the American dream. And I even did a couple of interviews. Um, I think I aired one of them before it just like became clear that I was not going to be able to follow through in the way that I wanted to with this season. But I had this like, I really think that like, maybe this will be the book someday, but this long exploration of the American dream from as many angles as possible with this ultimate takeaway being like, it is so broken. Like The American dream is dead and it doesn't exist, but it's not beyond repair right now. Like I, I still feel very strongly that we, as my generation, like as a younger generation, like change can happen and it's uncomfortable and it makes Thanksgiving dinner really awkward when you make your living talking about how capitalism <laughs> is awful. Um, and then you are also a founder, you know, like, but I, I think that that is something I really want to get back to. And I had a, so many, you know, it was like, what is the American dream and what are the economics of the American dream? And, and how does the American dream look different for children of immigrants and for immigrants themselves? And like, th just, there was so much there and it, it's such a rich topic that I really feel that I will come back to it at some point. So there's definitely that. But also as a, a noted Elon Musk hater, <laughs> I wish I had a podcast right now. Yeah. so <laughs> It's a topic for a whole nother podcast, but I hear you. Yes. Um, Kinsey, uh, I am such a fan of everything you have done, are doing, and I really look forward to seeing everything uh, you, you do in the future. Thank you so much for your time and for kicking off season two of this podcast with us. Where can our listeners find you uh, online? Well, pretty much everywhere. As, as <laughs> I uh, mentioned, reluctant content creator, but creator nonetheless. Um, I am on Twitter for who knows how long it'll be there. Kinsey Grant, Instagram, it's just Kinsey R. Grant, I think. Uh, but if you want to learn more about Smooth, you can Go Google us. I think we're smoothmedia.co online. And if you ever want to chat, you can email me. I'm happy to answer emails. My email is Kinsey, K-I-N-S-E-Y, at smoothmedia.co. And I would love to hear from people. Um, and also, Evan, thank you so much for having me. This was such a, a wonderful experience and such thoughtful questions. I really appreciate that. Thank you for tuning back into season two of Someday List. We have more interviews lined up for you this year, so make sure you follow the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also follow us on social media at to do app on Instagram or TikTok and at to do on Twitter. This podcast is produced by to do. Our theme music is composed by Evan Laybourne. I want to thank our guest Kinsey Grant for coming on and kicking off the season with us. And of course, thank you, the listener. We'll catch you next time.